Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of German music. Be that rock, punt, 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 metal or extreme metal. Sure, why not? Um, I haven't been here in a while. I decided to get sick and die. Um, I'm mildly bad now. Kind of. It. So, okay. I had the four albums set up for last week. And they were going to go fine. And then... Uh, I got a new housemate, so I couldn't record. Fair enough. And I felt like shit. That was the main thing. I felt like awful, awful shit. And then I thought, oh, it's going to basically be Halloween next week. I already had a bunch of albums set up for Halloween anyways. I thought I could just do all of them. It would be a while to record, but I just write my notes up and I have like a massive Halloween special. And I got sick yesterday as well, so... I've only been able to write two out of the four, but I've got the two spooky ones. The two really, 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 really weird ones. So, hopefully weird. I, I like them. Or did I? You'll have to wait and find out. Uh, but, coming on this week's show, we're going to be looking at Extreme Power Metal by Dragon Force, Heavy Metal Rules by Steel Panther, Metal Galaxy by Baby Metal, um, a quick look at a split on Venn Records by Yaraman, other Half, Grieving, and Your po- your Poetry. Tough Crowd by Nervous. Misery Sequence by Brutality, Will for Braille. I think I got those words right. And then Necrophase by Wednesday 13. So a big old lineup tonight. Today. Tomorrow. Depends when you hear this. Um, we'll first look at... Um, something got mentioned last week, but then... So you probably already know about this, but... Slam Dunk have announced a bunch more bands for next year's show. Excuse me, it'll be on the 23rd and 24th of May. Um, let's just go through. The second headliner is Sum 41, and alongside them is Billy Talent, The Used, Story So Far, Basement, Grayscale, and Dream State. And they've also got two reunion shows in the form of We Are the In Crowd and Your Demise. There's also going to be appearances from No Effects and Pennywise. Um, I don't care about We Are the In Crowd, but I'm very, very excited the fact they've got Your Demise. Uh, Your Demise, the uh, fucking hell, because they're touring. It's the tenth anniversary of um, the kids we used to be, which is their like crowning achievement. And I got into music pretty much as the buzz for that was dying off, and so. I feel like I've kind of like missed out on the album a lot. I've gone back to it like in drips and drabs here and there. From what I've heard, it's a fucking incredible album. Um, I don't know why I haven't gone all on it, but every single song I hear separately just sounds insane. And they're gearing up for their reunion tour. Hopefully that might mean a new album on top because... Any wrestling fans will have the same sort of thing. When you like when a band finishes or one an athlete or anything you pay attention to finishes, you want the last memory you have for them to be positive, something really good. Um We had what was it the Golden Age by uh Your Demise and that at the time I thought, Wow, everyone loved your demise in the last album, so this must be really good too. And yeah, looking back on it, it's not the best so you'd, I'd, you'd rather them come back have 
it'd be difficult to get an album on par with um, the kids we used to be, but just something that sits above the golden age because yeah, it really wasn't a very good album to f- finish on. Um, kind and like for wrestling fans, think of Goldberg. He came back, had that really shitty match with um, Undertaker. Came back, had a good match with Dolph Ziggler. Shawn Michaels' final match was that shitty tag team match, and no one wants his legacy to end on that. He wants him to have, or people want him to have a match with Johnny Gargano or AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan. So, oh, one last really great match. Never wrestle ever again, please. So, it's pretty comparable, I'd say. Um, I think some 41 getting second headliner or being the second headliner is fantastic for them. The... I think that the the comeback and the restoration story of Derek Wibley is just insane. It's fantastic. I remember seeing pictures of him years and years ago and thinking that he was not long for this world. Now he's happy, he's healthy, he's writing music with Sum 41 again. They've got, um, I think it's Dave Batch is was the guitarist. He, he's back in the fold. They all seem really happy right now. I didn't really listen to the last album because the the bits that I heard, like the Fake Your Own Death song, that wasn't that great. I think they've done a, an album since, haven't they? Which shows how much I pay attention to some point one these days. But the fact is, the fact that they are still touring and they're still, they are now doing well for themselves again. It's really, really good to see. And I think, either way, I imagine they will do a Greatest Hits show. But if they did Greatest Hits or this is our new album, Isn't It Great? I think they'll still bring in bare numbers so really really happy for them um out of the new names that i've seen the U's will be fun if they do a great hitch melee billy talent are going to be fun either way billy talent are fucking insane i always thought growing up they were like you don't listen to them you just have posters of them on your wall and so i want to avoid them like the plague because i thought they were just like emo posters or poster emos Listened to him for the first time. I think it was on Red Flag. Dived in from there. And oh my god. Maybe one of my favourite bands of all time. Fucking love uh, Billy Talent. Story so far. I didn't appreciate that last album. I think Proper Dose. Until more recently. At the time I thought it was very okay. It wasn't like the upbeat pop punk I was expecting. It's fucking dark as shit. And... Yeah, since then, it is just... The song will come on now, and I'll listen to it, and I'll think, man, he's just such a great lyricist, and it's just a shame that he has to go through such awful times to get there, but, yeah. I think Story So Far is another great call from them. Basement is another one. That album, last year, year before, beside myself, I still can't get past that first song, Disconnect. That's probably one of my favourite songs of all time. Now, it might be a bit excessive, but definitely one of the favourite songs of the year. Um, and yeah, I don't give a shit about the We Are The In Crowd. The full lineup then, from bottom to top, as according to their little poster thingy. You have Grayscale, Hands Like Houses, Dream State, Bayside, Issues, Ice Nine Kills, Knuckle Puck, Your Demise, We Are The In Crowd, Four Years Strong, Motion City Soundtrack, Basement, The Wonder Years, yes! Mayday Parade, The Story So Far, The Use, State Champs, Pennywise, Billy Talent, No Effects, Don Broco, and Sum 41 to headline. Slam, fu- slam Funk? Slam Funk. They should definitely call it Slam Funk. Slam Dunk Festival 2020. It's shaping up to be really fucking good. I, ca- I actually kind of hope I can really go to that. Nothing happens in May. 
Nothing happens at the end of May. Yeah, we'll try and do that. I, I have a friend who is from Leeds, and she's still pissed off by the fact they moved out of the uni, so... I don't know what that means to me, because I, don't, I haven't been there before, but oh well. Let's get into the shall we? We'll start with... Extreme Power Metal by Dragon Force. It is album number eight for them. Uh, they're from Landen. Don't know why they like that. Um, and obviously, I think everyone by now knows the kind of music Dragon Force will be doing. It is extreme power metal. Very, very quick. Very, very speedy power metal. It is their fourth album with their vocalist Mark Hudson. Their first album without Vadim Prusinov. Um, he was replaced in the studio on keyboards by Cohen Janssen from Epica. And it's also going to be their final album with Frederic Leclerc on bass. He has gone on to join Creator in a really, really interesting, but really, really cool... Um, I was going to say Divergent, but I don't know if that's the right word. There's, you got a lot of shit for... Well, Creator especially got a lot of shit for hiring a power metal guy. And it's fucking dumb. Just, he's worried about like them being too melodic now or whatever. If you heard Dragon Force, Jesus Christ. They had to do a live album to prove that they can play that fast. For fuck's sake. Um, but on the whole, it must be quite weird to be... Well, it must be quite weird for Dragon Force these days. I feel like, in general, people still recognise them from... Like, they're Dragon Force from Guitar Hero, and they'll only really associate them with the Zippy Third Days. And... Then four albums in with Mark Hudson now. I think that's the exact same as what they did with Thart back in the day. I really hope that's how you pronounce his last name, Thart. Because it's Hart with an extra T. I don't know. Um, and with Hudson, Dragon Force do have a, a slightly more refined sound. They're not like mad widdly-widdly anymore. The same way like Through the Fire and Flames where Ultra Beatdown was. Um... And I feel like while they still shred, they kind of keep more with like a classic power metal sound. And I feel like through that, they have lost a bit of their momentum. Um, I liked Maximum Overload, but it was still a big shift in their playstyle. A lot of people really liked Reaching Into Infinity. That's one that I missed. But everyone kept saying it's like it's starting to get back to what made them popular back in the day. It was never quite there. This, though, Extreme Power Metal, I honestly think is their strongest album since those Guitar Hero days. I have a, I had a quick scan through of Reaching Into Infinity, and obviously Max Mello's been that for a few years now. And the power within Listen To as well, this just trumps them all. Um, a lot of the self-aware silliness is back in Dragon Force. Um, the album art is ridiculous. The music video to Highway to Oblivion, which was the lead single that they used. And there is more of that classic shred from Herman Lee and Sam Topman. There's, there's a fucking butt-ton of cheese in it. Like, on Heart Demolition, you've got the lyric, I don't want to be another victim of love. That is just 80s silliness. It's daft. It's absolutely daft. But they that was what made them so popular. They were very aware of how what's the, what's the word they were just very aware of how like 
out there it was compared to traditional power metal. They were allowing themselves to have fun. They were, they're not like a, a man of war kind of band who are very astutely, this is what power metal is. It is like broad swords and hairy chests and that sort of thing. They knew what kind of music they wanted to play, but just didn't want to take it to those extremes. And it, it's got a fucking cover of Celine Dion at the end of this album, which weirdly works and is actually fucking great, but still exists. You know, I thought um, when they did Ring of Fire back on um, Maximum Overload was daft. This is just fucking... It, you, I got such a dumb grin listening to that. I must have looked like a ripe burke walking down the road. Um, I honestly think Mark sounds the best he's ever sounded and I feel like he gets that accolade every single album since he's joined the band and I think that just speaks volume about him he is a constantly evolving vocalist and just excuse me constantly just adds to his repertoire he hits them every every album that comes out excuse me I'm dying on orange juice every album that comes out he pushes himself further and further and further and he always sounds so crisp. He never really sounds like he's warbling or struggling. He just sounds peak all times. Mark and Dragon Force hold the basis of one of my favorite stories of music that I've heard. I think I heard it on a Metal Hammer podcast years ago. And when when Zippy left Dragon Force, this was year obviously back in the day, years I think 2011 he left? Something like that. When he left back in the day, um, obviously did the auditions and etc 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 they end up um going with mark and they had their a couple of like they had their, their shows planned they had um a couple of dates i don't know if they were headline or not but still pretty big venues that kind of thing and they had mark and they were like it was about a month prior i think just so that they could do a bit of rehearsals with mark and that kind of thing and Someone made mention of the kind of venues they'd be working on. It might even be... There's some weird ducks flying overhead. It might even be Mark himself and just said, what kind of um, audiences are we dealing with for this tour? And whoever it was was saying about uh, upwards of like at least 5,000. Probably like between five and 10,000 a night. Why? And Mark was still finished off his dates with his previous band, who were doing like 200 cap venues. So you had Mark going from like 200 to like multiple thousands of people to perform in front of. And they had to very quietly try and announce some warm-up shows just so Mark didn't absolutely shit himself when he got on stage. And I think that's... I, I've always enjoyed that story. I think it's fucking great. The fact that it, it was complete oversight that they had and then had to very quickly fix it because... Yeah, it's a bit different performing in front of like 200 people to then a few thousand. So I really like the story. Fuck you. Um, on keyboards, you got, like I said, you got Cone Jansen from Epica. I think he does a fucking brilliant job on here. Um, he puts in very Dragon Force like injections here and there. Um, you look at songs like Cosmic Power of the Infinite Shred Machine. Fucking great name for a song. Uh, Troopers of the Stars, Inner Skyforge Dreams, uh, Inner Skyforge Dreams, sorry, and Heart Demolition. It's um, 
it's hard to describe, but like if you've listened to Dragon Force over the years, you'll hear when they're like doing their wrists on guitar and doing the widdly widdlies, you'll just hear like a little um little licks on keyboard just here and there. It's not like a very basic kind of keyboard and power metal where you just sort of play like an overlay over the top of what everyone else is doing. They allow the keyboardist to have previously Vadim. They allow them to have a bit of personality to have their own little licks and their own little wrists here and there. And Cohen is set into that. I really hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Cohen or Cohen. I really hope, well, he has just properly picked up on that and done exactly what Dragon Force has been doing on keyboards that entire time. He's set into that role super, super well. And, like, the whole album has a very AOR rock kind of vibe to it with those searing synth lines that he adds in as well and yeah he just does such a great job of that and adds to that AOR vibe so so well and yeah I cannot I a few songs or a few times listened to it I managed to like just sing like the keyboards and I just like fucking hell you're not meant to make keyboards cool they're like they're not no stop stop it um Overall, whether it is the AOR melodies or Mark sounding like a thunderstorm of fuck or Sam and Herman just up in their like, shred game, Extreme Power Metal has so much character. A few weeks ago when I was talking about the Paladin album, I said then there is a decided lack of character on the album, which this is Power Metal. It's meant to be bombastic and ridiculous and just a little bit silly. And it didn't really have any of that. It, I just felt like it was quite, you know, just there. This, though, they are more than happy to take the piss up themselves because they know they can back up anything they claim. Really, really think this is their um, a great album. Probably the best since, like, um, Ultra Beatdown, that sort of time. And definitely the best album they've done with Mark. It is Extreme Power Metal. It's the eighth album by Widley. I'm going to keep that using that term. Widley Power Metal Titans Dragon Force. Do go find it. It is fucking brilliant. Right, on to then the second album for this week. It is Heavy Metal Rules by Steel Panther. It is their fifth album from the LA, California. Cal I don't know why I said it like that. They're from LA, basically. Um, and... They do a lot of shows in Vegas. If you do not know the joke of Steel Panther now, um, they, they're like a glam metal parody band. Basically, they've taken all like the daft stereotypes from the 80s, sex, drugs, and rock and roll era, glam metal, and just boosted it all the way up to now. It is just stonking redonkulous. And yeah, some of the greatest hits include Death to All But Metal, Bukaki Tears, 13 Goes in a Row, Pilot like Tomorrow's the End of the World, Supersonic Sex Machine. You know, their core, the core lyric base is just metal, making sure metal's alive. Um, taking too many notes from Manowar, I think. I always pick on Manowar, it's sad. Um, boobs, pussy, you know, sex, not having all those things at the same time. A standard, eclectic, drugs, also drugs, many, many drugs. That's a standard kind of fare for what was normal in the 80s. And at their peak, 
Steel Panther were fucking incredible. Uh, balls out and all you can eat were just chocked full of absolute bangers. Um, I even heard them considered uh, download festival headliners amongst those two albums. That was a take from Amit Sharma, now of, uh, I believe it was at Kerrang. This was back in his um, Metal Hammer days, but yeah. Looking back, well, back then I thought, nah, that's, that's silly Amit. But looking back, those songs and the kind of audiences that would flock to um, download, because every time um, Steel Panther download, all everyone I know pretty much flocks to them because they're fantastic. Don't know if that's because of the music or the boobs, but you know it's a it's a fifty fifty affair. And yeah, they were uh, like I said uh, uh, these albums. They were fucking great the jokes weren't boring the jokes were funny for a start the music was insane michael star sounded um incredible over the top and then lower the bar came out and lower the bar is where things just took a turn um a lot of the jokes just weren't funny anymore and the riffs felt excuse me really really flat you know it just it was such a sudden thing where the songwriting just fell apart and it just didn't feel like Steel Panther anymore. It felt like someone trying to be Steel Panther, like a parody of a parody, and that just sh was shit. I really, really didn't like Load the, pa uh, Load the Bar. Oh, honestly, my favorite song from that album is their cover of She's Tight by Cheap Trick. And in between the Wasp, so Wasp song, um, which I will talk about in a bit on Wednesday 13, and that song by Cheap Trick. Fucking 80s were dirty bastards, weren't they? Um, ow. Just fucking twat at the table with my finger. Um, so with Lower the Bar then, I, it was a point where, well, leading up to Heavy Metal Rules, was it a misstep or was it the a signal that Steel Panther kind of run its course? Um, for one part, the music is a lot better. The they, they at their core they are always going to be a, co a comedy or a parody kind of band, and it is ridiculous the level of music in which they can play. The riffs are just so much better now, um, almost on par to the days of Balls Out and All You Can Eat. Uh, general songwriting is better, but still not quite perfect. Uh, there's a lot of really good guitar parts from Satchel on uh, Fuck Everybody. But the arrangement of the song is just really, really poor. It feels very cluttered. It feels like they're trying to put too many of these riffs all in one song. Instead of just like going ahead with one. Or like a couple, if that makes sense. Um, all I want to do is fuck myself tonight. No, it's not. That's not what's called. All I want to do is fuck myself tonight. Yeah, that's what I said. Fuck you, me. Um, that's one of the few songs that are properly put together really well. Much in the same vein as their older stuff. Uh, Michael continues to sound, continues to sound incredible. Um, like I said, the level of, the level and the standard of notes that he can hit and hit them consistently is just insane. Um, but even now, as much as he can hit those high notes and he doesn't really sound like he's faltering at all, he still sounds like he spits out the word fuck. Like, 
almost as if he's still like, oh, I'm not supposed to say this for the music. <laughs> it's just, there is an extra emphasis, especially on the, um, all I want to do is fuck myself tonight. It just feels like it's that word more than anything. This is a song of like, this isn't a band, sorry, that frequently spoke about pussy in pretty much every um, album they've done. Fuck, though, always seems to be the word that she needs to like spat out at you. I just don't know if that's because it's of the word or it's a Rudy or what. It's a weird one. You, just, you notice that, for me at least, I notice that song, that word, more than anything else in the, on the band. And now that I've noticed it on here, I keep noticing it on their back catalogue as well. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just odd one, that. And so musically, yeah, it is a lot better. And vocally, Michael does, stout, does still sound great. Lyrically, though, is when it bit falters. And that's where it all kind of comes apart for what Steel Panther want to do. Um, I can't, I do not know what it is that's different. Because they're still singing about the same kind of stuff, you know. Tits, boobs, ass, sex, drugs, heavy metal, pussy, boobs... It's just everything that they've always sung about. However, it is it just it's just different. It's they seem to be lacking some kind of punchline that made the first three albums so entertaining and that the first three albums had in abundance. It's still ridiculous debauchery, but something is missing, and I cannot for the life of me figure it out maybe it's just the joke has run its course and it's all a bit boring now like you can only save for so long ah boobs they're kind of fun oh uh, you know it's just and there's a lot of negative reviews that have gone in on the lyrics like um, misogynistic they're bullish um and there is certainly grounds for the argument i'm not saying that in, especially with like today's world, they're not entitled to have complaints about that kind of lyrical content. But um, on Ultimate Guitar Tom, I'll try again. UltimateGuitar.com, there is a reviewer called Travis Lausch. I really hope we got his name right. And he came up with a really great point by saying. Well, his quote is, when taken as a parody of 80s hair metal with tongue firm patterned in cheek, they actually come off as quite entertaining. And that, for me, is what Steel Panther are and always have been. They are a parody and a joke on 80s sex, joke, and rock and roll lifestyle. If you don't like the joke, obviously stop. Just You're, you're not being forced to stick around for it. It's, imagine if it's any other comedian in any form of comedy if you don't like them you won't listen to them i don't like michael mcintyre's comedy that much anymore so i just don't watch him anymore and it's the same thing for this if you don't like how heavy metal rules portrays women i feel like you've kind of missed the joke of steel panther if they came out in an interview like out of costume and out of context of steel panther and was saying these sort of things and meant it legitimately then yeah it'd be a bit weird to listen to them. But this is a parody and a piss take of everything 80s hair metal did. It's so annoying to people that Motley Crue 
especially uh, fucking Vince Neil and Tommy Lee are both after blood against Steel Panther because they just feel like they're uh, I don't know, fucking copyright or some bollocks. But yeah, it's just a daft take if you want to criticise their lyrical theme. But if you're like me, the jokes just aren't working anymore. I feel like that's much more of a valid complaint. But, you know, it might just be... I'm just used to the Steel Panther stick by now. If this is your first album, give it a go. It might be different. Let us know. And it's called Heavy Metal Rules. It is the... What number is it? The fifth album from Steel Panther. Um, and yeah, very, very riff, modern production, glam metal. And yeah, once upon a time, they were fantastic for me. Just not anymore. And I like I said, I can't accurately put it out. But if it's because you don't like the jokes I say about women, then stop because their comedy isn't for you. You got other comedy bands. Listen to the hell if you like music and comedy. They just call you a cunt all day. That's really fun. On to then album number three for this week. It is, in fact, album number three for the band themselves. In a band, of course, Baby Metal. Everyone's favourite kawaii metal band. If they're not your favourite, you all don't know nothing. The album's called Metal Galaxy, and obviously they're from Tokyo. Because where else would this kind of shit come from? Um, it's their first album without their one of the secondary vocalists, Yui Metal. Um, and it is also the follow-up to the song, to the song, to the album, Metal Resistance, which in my opinion, set in stone that Baby Metal were more than just a viral sensation that did cutesy J-pop with Chugga Chugga Metal Death. I thought um, Metal Resistance was fucking incredible. The way they blended um, like heavy metal, melodic death, a little bit of like Numen in there, pop, J-pop, hip-hop. <coughs> Excuse me. I honestly still adore the album. Um, it was really, really... I, oh, I can't think of the top of my head if I put it in my end of decade list for like albums of the decade. But, oh, it's it was certainly spoken about. And when I say spoken about, I mean an internal monologue. But still, that's the whole point of this, isn't it? Um, that... It's not just a phase, mom, kind of thing. It totally continues into Metal Galaxy. This is it is a familiar baby metal formula of that bone rattling, bone bone rattling. There we go, uh, Metal Death, with that treacle sweet J pop, and it still holds up incredibly well. Um, but as with Metal Resistance, Metal Galaxy adds even more again the guitars on this album have this filthy gent tone to them you know think of um, within the ruins born of osiris veil of maya that kind of thing the more heavier end of that gent scene or the metalcore gent scene you know you, you, you know you know um there's like a weird uh i think it's like central asian we're gonna say instrumentation on shanty 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 which was a little bit odd like, feel free to, like, expand and, like, do stuff with the sound. But I, for me, that was just a little bit on the odd side. Um, Papaya sounds a bit like a tribute to Skindred. Which, considering last time Skindred and Baby Male interacted, 
was pretty uncomfortable. Uh, Brand New Day sounds more like an issue song than issues do right now. And I really, really do love the um, little pop samples throughout the album. You've got little finger snaps on uh, Brand New Day. You've got like whoops on Dada Dance. They're so fucking dumb, but I love them. I love them so much. Um, and there's a plethora of guest appearances too. Um, you've got Polyphia guitarists Timothy Ensign and Scott Lepage, or Lepage, don't know how to pronounce that. Um, they were on the uh, Brand New Day song, so they might be trying to steal Issues gerbs. Uh, Sabaton vocalist uh, Joaquim Broden. Why do I feel like I butchered that? And it's probably one of the easy names to say. Um, you got a Thai rapper called F Hero, a Japanese singer songwriter called Tak Matsumoto, and arch enemy b- vocalist Alyssa White Glutz. Again, not quite sure. I wish I knew how to speak. And I honestly feel like they do learn a lot from having these guests in. When you had Herman Lee and Sam Topman from Dragon Force come in on Road to Resistance, on Metal Resistance. Um, they obviously contribute to the album, contribute to the song, but now there's some decidedly Dragon Force-like guitar parts on this album. And this sounds like they can huge inspiration to how they write and how they um, incorporate more like shredding kind of stuff in amongst just like standardized song, um, song structure, like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Um, Arcadia and Night Night Burn were the two songs that really found did this the most and Christ knows what of a Viking folk hybrid homaginai with Joaquin Broden from Sabaton is but good god damn they sound like they're having a great time I what does just don't fucking know what's happening I tried describing it to a friend of mine and just doing that die 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 and I got a lot of weird looks strangely enough um Metal Galaxy is a beautiful mess of styles and sounds. And it is a mess. You just don't know what they're doing next. It's fucking ridiculous. But for some reason, it's a really entertaining level of ridiculous. <coughs> Excuse me. How, what um, Poppy's doing now and what everyone's like exploding about Poppy. 100% she got all that kind of thing from Baby Metal. She's just adding a bit more weird to it. Whereas... These girls just are unreal because, of like the from what I've heard, how um, uh, corporate Japanese bands and pop bands are made, it's hard to tell what's genuine and what's not when it comes to uh, not Yui, she's the one that's gone, uh, Sue and Moa Metal. But my God, if they if it's not genuine and they really really like like. Oh, what's that band? Is it B24? E24? Oh, whatever that silly K-pop band is. If they like all that sort of shit and they hate metal, then they fucking hide it really well because they just do incredible things on this album. Um, it will it, it will infect your mind just like pop and it will ache your spine just like metal. That's what I've written down. I felt really proud of it when I wrote it down. Saying out loud, less so. And in terms of the overall sound from the two vocalists, you'll never guess... That they are a vocalist down. They layer each other fantastically. 
Uh, Sue Metal still sounds just insane. She doesn't sound like she's changed at all. Bearing in mind, like, she's had all of puberty to go through since that first Baby Metal album came out. She sounds fucking incredible. In fact, she might be even getting... Well, she probably will be getting better because now she's got training to go alongside her training. Like, actual training. That makes sense. I'm still kind of weary in the head. I'm drinking lots of orange juice, though. Um... And before finishing up, one last shout out to the song um, Kagaru. And I really hope I pronounced that right again. Because good god damn, that song is fucking great. Um, I went back to it a lot. It is hugely catchy in just the most borderline infuriating kind of way. And I'm not quite sure if it's because it really shows off Sue Metal on her own. But just like... The melodies, both vocally and musically, are just ah oh, Italian hand, mwah, Italian hand kissing. That's that's how good it is. It's a fucking great song. If nothing else, go listen to Kagaru. There's also a song. What's it called again? It wasn't on the international release. It was on the Japan only. Oh, it's uh, BXMXC. It is this like angry industrial song that sounds nothing like. I've heard metal, um, Baby Metal do so far. Find that. It's on YouTube. It is just... Oh my god. Weirdly catchy, despite it being like very aggressive industrial. Not quite to the level, obviously, of like Author and Pain. But sort of like lo-fi industrial um, hardbeat sort of stuff. Totally weird. Totally fun. Go listen to that. But just as a whole, I love this album. I love baby metal. I know I shouldn't. I'm meant to be like broody and goth and emo and all that sort of crap, but God damn. They're so much fun. They're they're like my they're like my one pass. And I love it. I love it. Uh do go check it out. It's the third album from Baby Metal. It's called Metal Galaxy. Just don't call it Kawaii. It's Kawaii. That triggers a lot of Japanese people. It triggers anyone. It triggers a lot of weebs as well. Which I know what you're thinking. That's a good reason to do it if it's going to trigger weebs. But you got to think of the people, man. you got to think of the Japanese people. They're, most of them are pretty nice people. But, you know, make fun of weebs. I'm, I'm encouraging that. That's fine. On to then. A, a little mini one. A little um, a mini split EP thing. Um, it's going to be... Well, it has been released on Ven Records. It is a split by Yaraman... Other half grieving and your poetry is um, four different sides of the punk spectrum, kind of. Um, and I'll go through each song individually because there's only one song per band, and it just seems easy enough just going through one at a time because they're not all the same. Uh, we'll start with Yaraman then. They are from London. The song they've contributed is a song called Greyest. Uh, they are made up of ex members of Crash of Rhinos. And it is their debut release. They are combining like a classic punk rock kind of sound with um, like a delicate indie vibe kind of thing to it. <coughs> Excuse me. And when I was listening, uh, to be fair, listen to all four of these acts, I got a lot of um, Tony Hawk's on the ground vibes coming off of it. From all four, they could easily... If they ever made Tony Hawk's on the ground, which please fucking do, easily these four songs could sit there. Um, and I found myself comparing them to a lot of those kind of bands. So for Yaraman, uh, I kind of found found it 
somewhere like a cross between fear and violet femmes or violet themes violet femmes i'm gonna say um which i thought was a as a fun thought in my head but you know that's just me so yeah that was uh yaman they've got the song grayest Next, you had the band uh, Other Half, and they've got the song Heads Go Soft. They're from Norwich, and they are made up of four members of Ducking Punches and Maths. We all like Maths. I know I do. Uh, more of a cl- um, classic punk kind of sound, but it's a bit more straight edge. It's what straight edge? Fucking hell. It's a bit more straightforward, is what I'm meant to say. Um, a very, like, classic punk kind of sound. And it sounds like the vocalist is backed by Courtney Barnett. The um, Australian uh, indie rock sing-songwriter. And it's more, it is more co-singing or co-singer than backing. It's just, I really enjoyed the fact that it was like a dual overlapping kind of vocal style. Which, top of my head, I really can't think of many bands who kind of do that kind of thing. Where it is two going out at the same time instead of just like one, then one, then one, then one, then one. Um, yeah, I really liked it for that kind of reason. And I feel bad. I'm really blasting through these, but there's not only so much you can say about a song each. Uh, from Cambridge, then, we then had uh, Grieving with their song Pilot. They are made up of uh, former members of the Tupolev Ghost. I really hope I got that right. Um, I think this might be my potential favourite song. No disrespect to the other lads and lass. Um, yeah, I just... Yeah, yeah. Everyone has the preferences. Um, it's ever so slightly garage punk, garage punk feel to it all on the verses, and um, it then explodes in the choruses and a bit of a post cock, post cock, post hardcore feel to it too. I'm just gonna move straight on. Sorry guys, but your song was a better one, but I can't. And then last song was your poetry. I think it's called your poetry because I just spelled Y R. And there might be some like cryptic thing that I don't know about, but I wasn't invited. Uh, your poetry has a song, You Can't Hurry Love. They're from Birmingham and made up of former members of Johnny Foreigner, which I feel like I recognize that name, but I don't know why. Uh, your poetry reminded me a lot of The Addicts. Again, I spent a lot of time comparing this to Tony Hawk Underground stuff, but a lot of The Addicts, they did, if you are familiar with the games, they did Viva la Revolution. <laughs> Viva la Revolution. Yep. Uh, obviously, they, the addicts are a cult uh, name in the punk rock world on their own. Uh, yeah, po- your poetry a bit more of a drawn back kind of punk rock to it. They are advertised as punk rock, the pop punk, sorry. Percy, I wouldn't go that far with the sound. It's a lot more of a like dynamic punk kind of sound. There's a melody in there, but not all the way to pop melody, if that makes sense. Um... Yeah, on the whole, it was great. The splits like this are always a good time because you're going to inevitably find something different on these kind of things. You're going to find uh, definitely something you never heard of. I hadn't heard of any of these four bands before picking it up. It's more because uh, Venn Records made up of... Ga- it was got made up by members of Gallows and therefore I'm going to love it forever. And so if they put out a split, I'm probably going to give it. Um, Percy, I would have added a bit more variety in uh, the bands that are on the split. 
as much as each band has their own nuances and has their own little twist on like a again a very formative classic punk sound i found myself constantly going back to like early punk early 80s punk comparisons um first few listens it's really kind of difficult to discern them from each other so if it like personally either like i would just maybe done it on two eps like a song on each or two songs from each band on each and just you know because you get more money out of us that way or you know just like mix and match the bands just 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 but Either way, if you like the old school punk kind of thing, go find us. It's on uh, Ven Records. It streams on various things like uh, Spotify and Bandcamp. But you can also get a very lovely bright pink um, LP vinyl of it with some just the weirdest artwork. But, you know, small town bands like this, don't do go try and support where you can. There is the split from Yara Man, Other Half, Grieving, and Your Poetry. It's on Venn Records. Do go find it if you like Castle Punk, like I said. And, yeah, big up that indie thing, yo. I promise I'll never say that again. That's a lie. I probably will say that again. Album, oh, fucking hell. Album number four? Technically five, but we're going to include these bit. Release number five of the week. I'm running out of breath. Fuck me. When do I need to leave for it? I've got 15 minutes to get through three albums. Shit. Uh, Nervous, the album's called Tough Crowd. It is their third band and they are from Watford. Everything seems to be coming from Watford at the moment. Um, and they are, if you've never heard of them, but they are a very melodic punk. Some would even say a indie punk kind of steel. And it is the, Tough Crowd is the follow-up to the very, very good uh, Everything Dies album that came out last year, year before. A lot more recent than I remember it being. Nervous perhaps embodied the term punk better than any band right now. Uh, particularly their front woman, uh, M. Foster. She gets a lot of ch- um, shit on Twitter for what she says um, in interviews, on Twitter, on record, anything really. She just gets a lot a lot of people saying that she shouldn't be talked about or she's wrong or some other rubbish. Um, and these, like, I honestly don't think if Twitter was a, a thing back when like the early stages like hardcore and you had like Jello Biafra, Henry Rollins, Ian McKay, like I re- can you do you not think when they used and they like grew up with Twitter and like social media as a thing, do you not think they'd be doing the exact same thing and like mouthing off about all their politics and all their stances on things? Most of them are pr- I'm pretty sure are doing them now, anyways, but they most of them are reviewed as gods in the world of rock and punk for doing exactly what M's doing but M did it on the internet instead of on record but as doing it on record as well so it's just it's just a daffy thing it's just a, a silly silly thing uh, lyrically the album remains true to that thing on the post philosophy that nervous have built on the years over the years sorry uh, flies open the album and strikes me as somewhere between a like lyrically sorry a dodgy relationship and like struggles with depression and things like mental illness is mentioned quite a few times throughout the album obviously this day and age it is a big talking point and i know it's uh affected well not personally no but i've heard tall tales and from reading 
nervous and, M twi and M's Twitter feeds. Uh, mental illness is something that the band have gone through in various different guises. And the main one for me was, for talking about mental illness, was the song Fake. And it's like a crushing battle between, lyrically, anxiety versus conformity. And then the stress that conformity then gives you to then lead into anxiety. Really, really, like, difficult, but not difficult because it's rubbish. Difficult because it is just very, very personal. Um, the biggest lyrical power play that the band has comes when they start getting political. And it isn't just a run-of-the-mill political, politicals. Politicians are bad sort of thing. It is, at times, it feels like tough crowd is trying to start some kind of coup. you got songs like Piss and Where'd You Go. They rile up by just saying how shit things are. Because, as a reminder, things are really, really shit right now. And then songs like The Inconvenient Truth and Golf You and They Don't Come In. And they just, oh my god, they're just so aggressive. They have no chill. They are venomous in their attacks against the government and police and everything in between and everything outside of it. They just want to attack everything. Um, and yeah, a lot of it's just, like, lyrically very brutal in the same way the classic um, punk bands were back in the day. But again, they, 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 were, welcome, they were welcoming back then. I don't know what's happened now. Um... And to cap it all off, songs like Burn and No Nation act as almost like a call to arms for action by the people. And the songs on the... Well, the track list reads like a hymn sheet for a New Age revolution. It's it quite astounding, actually. Um, musically, it is so juxtaposed with that vibrant power pop indie punk kind of thing. With those, like, aggressive lyrics. It's almost a Weezer-like Trojan horse could they could easily come in and scream and shout the message and it hit the same groups of people that every political punk band that has ever been has been hitting for years like you go from like all the way back from like the dead kennedys and black flag to like modern day um petrol girls and that kind of thing petrol girls obviously have like a bit more of a shouty vocalist so that anarcho punk scene is going to flock to that whereas with this having like a more indie hue to it all you are going to get a more a broader audience come into it and then start picking up little lyrics here and there and then just start like believing, dissecting, like investigating everything that's being said in the album. And it's going to entice and expand their audience way better than anything else can or any other band could. Even on like the heavier um, songs like Flies or Piss, they're drenched in harmonising and gang vocals and catchy little vocal hooks that really cleverly feed their message to the listener. <coughs> Excuse me. And like as a as a side word, I love love the indie like the floaty indie eighties vibe on Engulf You. That's probably my favourite song on the album. I won't lie. The challenge for this album will be. To like aim at the people who don't, well, for the people who don't agree with the band's politics. Um, 
there is that ever-growing argument of separating the music from the artist. And it is hard. It is so difficult because you need your own morals on how much you're going to stand up for a message or a meaning against what you enjoy from the musician. Like, there's pretty much a a blanket ban on lost profits, and for very good reason, not comparing those situations at all. And then when the wave of emo bands came out, you had some people who were, like, when, sorry, when the emo bands found out that they were um, harassing younger fans, you still had people who were still listening, like, people still listened to the brand new album and were considering it, like, albums of the year. When, you know, a, a couple of years ago, they were saying that you have to... You, what a person does is directly affected by what they do outside of music, but it's affected inside of music. So it is just depending on how, what line that is for you. For like example, I don't listen to Lost Prophets anymore. I've never listened to Brand New, and I've, as much as I was keen to listen to the new album, as soon as it all kicked off, I was like, nope. <clears throat> and it is difficult to find out. Like, I don't agree with a lot of the lyric, the political statements said on this album. Like, uh, they don't, for example. I, If M has had a grievance with the police, or she knows someone who has, or just in general, just doesn't get a good vibe for them, that is M's opinion. That's not an opinion that I'm going to... If I knew her in real life, that's not an opinion I'm going to break off of her from. If that makes sense. It's, for me, morally, that's not too extreme. I don't like the song because of it, and I'll just stop listening to the song. That's it. I'll just move on. Um, I will say, the chord progression is... Oh, actually, yeah. The chord progression on the song, I forgot. It's delicious. And the... The chorus, this like take out what the lyrics actually are and just listen to the, the tune of it. It's bright and cheery and it's catching as fuck, but I won't listen to it because, you know, I don't agree with the lyrics. But because it's so catchy, even though I don't agree with it, that shows off how good a songwriter M is and how good Nervous are because I want to listen to it because of musically, but you get what I'm trying to say? I don't know why... It's it's like it is difficult. It's all down to the listener and trying to figure out where their moral compass sits and whether or not they want to go through, it, even though they don't believe in it pol- politically, uh, compared to what they want from it musically. And just for like day don't in particular, if it was about anything else, I'd be all over it and saying that's like probably one of the best songs in the album. But you know, I just don't like it for what it says, so I move on. M agrees with that statement, so she put the song. I'm sure if I ever met her in person, and we we would have discussions, say like why I don't agree with it, why she does agree with it, like discussions like hum- like adults do. But you know, that's for a world which doesn't exist right now. But you know, it's difficult. It is. I've rambled a lot. I'm aware of it. Bear in mind, I've got a blitz through these last two albums now. Joy for me. Make up your own mind. It is always down to the listener. If you 
like very adverse and very on the nose political albums you'll be hard pressed to find something more than tough crowd it's the third album from nervous do go check it out and it like i said it's definitely got that like weezer effect to it where you go in and you listen to it music and you think man this is great this is so happy it's so chill and then you you read upon the lyrics and you're like, oh oh but that might be what you're into man do i feel like i haven't got time for this <coughs> excuse me especially if i keep coughing brutality will prevail is our next album and it's the sixth album from the cardiff based hardcore mob they the album is called misery sequence that part important and brutality will prevail always been known for their darker gloomy approach to hardcore um they have really doubled down on it on like the sludgy doomy addition to the sound on the last album 2017's in dark places that kind of thing has continued into misery sequence and i think it's firmly sat them in that beat down hardcore realm alongside the likes of knock loose kublai khan earth crisis and that ilk um title track kicks off the album it's really really interesting mix already of the brutality will prevail hardcore with their recent foray into like a more doomy kind of sound that classic hardcore is there but there's this like guitar line that comes in and it just it adds an atmosphere of dread to the sound it's unreal it's like a haunting siren that just lingers in the back and it is fucking terrifying i'm really glad this was meant to be one like the halloween albums so this and the wednesday 13 album were two of the four that was going to be all spooky and this is why because there is like a death siren that goes the entire way through the album and it yeah on the instrumental track uh twisting knife it is two minutes of them showing that part of the sound off and literally they are showing off stop it lads you're making us all look bad and then it leads into um deny the truth very very effortlessly and it continues into that continues into end of me too it's <coughs> excuse me it's throughout the album but no other song does it better than breathless breathless has a guest vocalist on it it's a young lady called tony co brooker she, as far as I'm aware, she's not part of any sort of musical act or artist or anything like that. She doesn't sing um, professionally. I believe she's a booker for like an indie label. And everything Chelsea Wolf tried to do on his spun, Co has done it in one song. It is frighteningly haunting, yet beautifully brutal. It's an absolute rager of a song. It is. It, the music is. That musically is dominated by that leering siren, but the f sound that Ash and Craig get, who are the bassist and drummer respectively, I believe, um, they carry the song between them, adding like as much as like it's all searing in the back, and you've got Tony like crooning over the top. They still add that like hardcore underbelly, and Breathless remains as a fucking excellent song on the album. Um, um, that like siren thing I kind of want to describe it as that post-rock guitar kind of thing 
but it's being played down like a really old radio so it's all like gritty and bitterly and that kind of thing so that's what gives it a like really scary haunting feel to it all elsewhere the rest of the out, um, guitar work is absolutely great there are some great riffs on um tracks like slither the title track the bitter end and i think overall brutality will prevail have done a pretty good job on this um it's hard to make beat down hardcore for me I didn't. I didn't really get the Knock Loose album. I think it's very easy to fact to make beat down hardcore sound one dimensional, um, and because the bands that I've seen associated with that label, they are. It's just very samey throughout. I think the doomy atmospherics have really helped Misery Sequence stand out from the pack, and this like gothic doom tinge beat down because the wrist like i said the wrists are fucking insane and that actual layer i think like i said will set it apart from the pack I, it will bring in the beat down fans and i think it will bring in a wider audience from that because it is like a slight twist on a already established genre and like people go go for that shit all the time i know i do um it is the album's called misery sequence it's by brutality will prevail uk hardcore at its finest um do go check it out i wish i had more to say but again as much as it is good for a beat down hardcore album it's still beat down hardcore and i find it quite difficult at times um on to the last album and then i gotta go to work it is necrophase i've actually been looking forward to this for a while the album is by Wednesday 13. It is his eighth album uh, from the Lexington, North Carolina native, and he is known for his horror punk. And let's face it, it doesn't get much more Halloween than Wednesday 13. And it rhymed, I didn't realize. Um, his particular blend of, hardcore, of um, horror punk, he blends it with um, heavy metal and like B movie synths. Kind of like you get like the old horror films back in the day. And for this album, he's aligned himself with some well-known uh, names in Spook. I've described them. You've got Alice Cooper. Everyone knows Mr. Cooper. Uh, Christina Scabia from Lacuna Coil. Almost forgot then. Alexi Leho from Children of Bottom. And Jeff Clayton, who is a jazz musician. He's worked with likes of Sinatra and B.B. King. And what's more terrifying than jazz? That's what I'm saying. At first listen, the title track opener is a perfectly serviceable a perfectly serviceable song. However, well, I'm good however just yet. I jumped the gun. Um Alice Cooper's on there, he's got like a spoken word intro, and then the the riffs that are on the on the song make it one of the heaviest songs on the album. Like definitely edges more into that metal territory than does the punk. But when you get through the rest of the album, this is my, the however. Get through the rest of the album, and there are songs on there that have Wednesday 13 at a songwriting best. He blends those riffs, he blends the pace and those synths really well together, and that sets a very key divide in the album. So for me, Bring Your Own Blood is when the album properly starts. 
Um, there's some dorky spoken word intro, and I'll get onto lyrics in a bit. Um, and then from there, it goes into like this Ramstein like synth line, and then slowly descends into, or sorry, quickly descends into like a Marilyn Manson esque eruption when Wednesday cuts in with all the rest of the band as well. And there's like a checklist for spooky references in the lyrics, which teeters on the ridiculous, but it's ultimately quite catchy. And Bring You On Blood is one of like the better songs from the album. But that is the recurring theme. The lyrics on this album are fucking bonkers at time. And I've got a couple. Oh, this is oh, is this life or is this misery? Because I can't the difference, can't tell the difference. It's all the same to me. Sounds like a really dorky ripoff of Bohemian Rhapsody, but never mind. Um, you're not as bad as people say. Well, in fact, now you're much worse. You're, I'm going to try that again. Why can't I read? You're not as bad as people say. Well, in fact, now you're much worse. You fell out the stupid tree and you landed fucking head first. That's a sin. That's an abomination against the lyrical gods. Oh, it's bad. It's really bad. It's not even fun bad. It's just awful. And I really want to rip on the um, end song, Animal. That he did with Leho from Children of Bottom. But apparently it's a cover of a Wasp song. Which is what I was saying earlier with the Steel Panther review. It's shit lyrically. But I can't diss Wednesday 13 for that. Because it's not his fault. But god damn that song was awful. Um, I think it opens with I got pictures of naked ladies. And like okay. Okay. You, you do you bro. Um, but like, like I said before. There is a clear gap in the album's quality. When it's bad, it's not, it's more of a, it's bland. It's nothing there to really latch on to. It's just, they exist, the songs exist, and that's about it. When it's good though, when it's at its peak, there are some morbidly great songs on this album. Uh, Monster, with Christina Scabia, uses her vocals fantastically well. It's such an easy precedent, and I'm pretty sure it's been used a hundred times, where... You'll get a female vocalist, especially when it's in like the gothic, symphonic sort of world. Um, where you'll have like the heavy, heavy, heavy. Then you have this one like beautifully elaborate bit where they can show off how well they can sing. And then it goes back to like the crushing heavy sort of malarkey. With this though, she's integrated with uh, Wednesday vocally so well. She's not got her own part she is singing alongside him and like backing him up and it sounds insanely good um the the riff as well i think gives it a more of a gothic feel than any of the um synth on the album it is like a high-end sort of lick kind of thing i don't know if it's riff or lick i've never been good enough to figure out what one's which but it opens the song it's on the choruses it's fucking insane and it the theme of having christina scabia a well-known gothic metal vocalist in there with this kind of um, riff it is a sublime song monsters is the talisman of the album it's very 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 good um decompose which was the lead single another fantastic um song it had great use of melody on the pre-chorus i can see why it was the lead single like it just fits that mold so well Got me interested in the album for, if nothing else. And all the shit I gave the lyrics a minute ago, 
I did actually really like the lyrics to Monster. It they're still dumb. They're still ridiculously dumb, but a much more enjoyable kind of dumb. Um, and I mentioned it before. Bring You On Blood is another really really good song on the album as well. Towards the latter part of the album, Wednesday does seem to play around with genres and style outside the norm of what he said the album. You know, Life Will Kill Us All has a distinct um, Alice Cooper feel to it, whereas Bury the Hatchet is more like a rock and roll kind of vibe to it. And I describe it to like Motorhead or Chrome Division, where they are quintessentially metal bands. But the songwriting, the melody, and that kind of thing, very, very like rock and roll kind of feel to it all. For like at the time, when it's a good album, or when it's got good songs, this is a really fun album. It's very much a greatest hits kind of album. You've got, <coughs> excuse me, you've got the songs where it really, really pulls the album up, but at the same time, you've got songs that really, really like weigh it down. Absolutely, you've got the, the ones I talked about a minute ago, some Monster, Decompose, Bring Your Own Blood, um, Bury the Hatchet as well. They're going to be like live staples, and they should be live staples for a while, even if he is like, what's it, album eight, did I say? Yeah. I still think this was a very credible album from someone who, I think like of a, always under the radar when it comes to that like spooky shock rock kind of stuff. I feel like all the um, plaudits always go to like Rob Zombie or Ministry or that kind of thing. I first knew about Wednesday 13 when he did the Murder Dolls album. And that, it's just, it's fascinated me from there. The one thing I found, fa the mo most sa uh, fascinating thing I find by him is his vocal, his, his vocal style. Is that his natural singing voice or did he like have to learn to do that because he sounded consistent throughout the entire time like the first what was the first um, Murder Dolls song of something I listened to it was from 2002 I think <coughs> excuse me and then I heard Gimme Gimme Bloodshed that was released in 2008 you got this song in 2019 they all he always sounds the same and it's like was that your natural voice like how lemmy has a naturally deep voice anyways um did you go to a, a singing teacher and she taught you or they taught you how to sing like that have you learned by yourself what is this vocal and how do you do it if i tried doing something like that i'd get like a tickle in my throat and i look like a dick but when he's good he's very very good as mr is mr 13 it is appropriate for this particular time of year if you start talking about Christmas after this, I'll fucking cut you. But it's Halloween, it's spooky, it's horror, it's Wednesday 13, and it's latest album, Necrophase. It is the album, the songs I keep going on about, Monster, Decompose, Bring Your Own Blood, um, Bury the Hatchet, maybe Life Will Kill Us All. Go for them. They are really, really great songs. Just maybe cut out the other bits. But that will do it for this week i've gone on for a while i have to go to work now but next week hope bar definitely definitely i cannot wait this two i mentioned uh brutality will prevail and wednesday 13 were two or four um halloween themed albums that uh, i want to do the other two were math core in the way of car bomb which is insane and 
Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, which is the most hauntingly sad album I potentially have ever heard. And that's on par with like the um, Aaron Rest and Warring Twenties album I listened to earlier in the year. There's also going to be Funeral Fuck, who do doom metal. Leprous, finally going to get around to listen to that De- um, Leprous album. They are like arty punk. And Being As An Ocean, which are renowned melodic hardcore fellas. Um, hopefully it'll be next week. I'm probably about to move home, so things might get weird. But hopefully you should hear from me next week. Do keep in touch. I I am I do exist. I neglect social media a lot, but just trust me. If you send me a message, I will get back to you. I love you. I don't. I actually don't like you. But you, yeah, just give me something to talk to. I'm going to stop now because I'm rambling. I'm still very unwell. Enjoy your week, guys. Listen to cool music, and I'll see you soon. Goodbye.